Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. So sh- shifting into uh, in terms of looking toward the future to looking toward the past or back at the Devin Hester career with the Bears. Disappointing Friday morning to learn or Thursday night, I guess it was, when the class of 2023 uh, was announced and the, it will include five players. And one of them won't be Devin Hester. It'll be Joe Thomas, Zach Thomas, Darrell Rivas, Rondé Barber and Demarcus Ware. Those are your five Hall of Fame in modern era, yeah. And and the Devin Hester news was was tough because I thought this might be the year, Dan. I don't know how confident you were, but you were seemed more prepared for this bad news than I was. Well, just that, that's just because of familiarity with the process and understanding how difficult it is to get through the latter stages of this. I think that that's that's part of it, David, is just understanding that every year and I've echoed this in a number of different forums this week, there is a cap on how many modern era f- finalists can be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, and it's five. And so when you walk into a year like this, where there was sort of a a consensus building that Joe Thomas was a no-doubt first ballot Hall of Famer and that Darrell Rivas probably was going to be, you say, oh, gosh, well, now we're left with only three chairs left for 13 players and 13 really good players. And that's the, the, the crazy thing here is like you sit here in Chicago and you say, man, Devin Hester got... Uh, snubbed, and then you go down the list, and you're like, "Well, in Indianapolis, they're talking about how Dwight Freeney got snubbed, and in Minnesota and Kansas City, they're talking about how how Jared Allen got snubbed, and in St. Louis, and and uh, they're talking about Torrey Holt, and in Houston, they're talking about Andre Johnson, and, and and in Indy, they're also talking about Reggie Wayne, and so you understand that this is a very elite class of players that we're considering." I understand the pushback when you see guys that kind of make you shrug. Like I watched Rondé Barber a lot. He played in the division with the Bears for a long time. I watched Zach Thomas play. I thought those guys were really, really good football players. And one thing that annoys me about all Hall of Fames is when they go from the Hall of Fame, which in my mind is supposed to be no doubt without any question, excellence and elite players to, yeah, those guys are pretty good. Let's let them in. And so that's where some of the 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 anger builds up. But again, when you have this this cap right on how many players can get in and only five players every single year even get to the yes or no vote stage it's easy to throw grenades at the hall of fame committee and be like these guys don't know what they're doing we don't know right now in this moment whether if we stopped everyone on that 49 member committee and said yes or no 
there's a possibility that 90% of them would say yes to Devin Hester, but he hasn't reached that stage yet because of kind of this, uh, you know, it's what do they call that, that part of the expressway over where 88 meets 290. It's the hillside strangler, I think. Right. And you get that bottleneck there and Devin's caught in the bottleneck right now. That is what is maddening to me. And I think to fans, because what you just described is a process that, that, that says the reality, if he were a finalist, there's no doubt he would get in, but he can't get into the finalist uh, circle. So he's not going to get in until that happens, which I kind of understand, but I, always, I and I have said this, I am a Hall of Fame voter in, in baseball and, and I vote for as many people as I think deserve it. I'm more likely to give somebody the benefit of the doubt. It's a museum to celebrate the best of the sport. And so I don't know that you're watering things down if you let in somebody like a Scott Rowland this year in baseball. I don't, think that, I don't think that dilutes anything. <laughs> or or even Mark Burley, who I voted for as well. I, I, and I think in the context of the football, you know, Devin Hester, he might have to wait. But why? Why should he have to wait because of what you – if he's going to be a Hall of Famer, if he's in the finals uh, of the final five or final ten – it makes sense to me that he should be in now, but that I can go on a rant. What, what so, I wanted- right, like, so, so like that, that, like just but before we transition on that, that, that just to clarify for the audience, like that's a problem with the process and it's not a problem with the committee itself. Right. And that's where I think we need to draw a distinction, because I do think, like I said, I I said 10 years ago, I sat on the committee, but it was actually 11. I looked back and time is flying and I can't even keep track of it anymore. But like that gave me a newfound appreciation for how difficult it is to start with 120, you know, nominees, narrow it down to a couple dozen semifinalists, get down to 15 finalists, then get it to a 10, then get it to a five. And sometimes you don't even get to cast a yes vote for somebody that you believe is in your top three. Well, there are 49 electors, selectors, and Dan Pompey is a very good friend of both of ours. And, and I know a lot of people on the committee who, who do what we do for a living and have done it for longer. And so I have a ton of respect. I'm not, I'm not trying to impugn their character. but No, I, I am not saying I'm, you are. I'm saying that the I'm, general public does they, at times. They do, and that's unfair because the process is flawed. And Adam Studzinski, who is as big of a Devin Hester guy as – I love there, a good studs rant, and I'm ready for it. Yeah, I, I can imagine if we're disappointed, we're trying to reason through it. I can't imagine how Studs and, and Devin Hester fans must have felt getting this news on Thursday night. So, yeah, you know, I was actually a little more upset than I thought I was going to be. <laughs> I, I wasn't that I wasn't that upset last year because I kind of figured they're not going to let a returner in first year, whatever. Uh, even though I thought he deserved it. And, and, you know, look, yeah, I'll preface all this by saying, like, I'm obviously biased here. I'm literally, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm wearing Devin Hester's jersey right now. And he's my favorite Bears of all time. His return in the Super Bowl is literally the greatest sports moment I've ever experienced, which is kind of sad because they lost the game. I realize that. So, so all that being said, I realize I have an extreme bias here. But let's lay out the objectivity here, right? Devin Hester has two NFL records, punt re- most punt return touchdowns and most return touchdowns, right? Those are the obvious ones that everyone talks about. I looked up this morning because I was curious where he ranks on the NFL all-purpose yardage list. He's 46 all-time, which doesn't sound that impressive. He's got 14,445 all-purpose yards, so that includes his receiving and his rushing yards, right? And a few fumble yards when he picked up the ball after he fumbled on returns. And, but 
you put in the context of who he's around, and then you consider how many less touches he had than all these people. He's only got a couple hundred yards less than Marvin Harrison, Hall of Famer. Only a couple hundred yards less than Franco Harris, Hall of Famer. Only 13 less total yards all time than Matt Forte, his teammate, one of the best Bears running backs of all time. He's got more all-purpose yards than O.J. Simpson, Hall of Famer. More than Reggie Wayne, who's probably going to be in the Hall of Fame. More than James Lofton, Hall of Famer. More than Andre Johnson, more than Chris Carter, more than Andre Bolden. All these guys are borderline Hall of Famers, if not Hall of Famers. And he did that with about 900 or so, give or take, touches in his career, which is like thousands less than these other guys, which is extraordinarily impressive. And then you take out all that and you consider the fact that he was the most dangerous player on – this is the point I'm trying to make. He was the most dangerous player on the field when he had the football. And I understand the drawback of, yeah, he's a returner. He didn't play all that much. But when he had the ball, he was feared. Coaches spent nights trying to figure out how do we keep the ball away from this guy. Players hated playing against him. His teammates loved blocking for him to the point that James McKee has talked about how they basically had an incentive in the locker room that if Hester scores a touchdown on special teams, we, we have a pool of money that guys get. He's talked about this a couple times on the score. So I'll, I'll kind of end my rant there because like I, I hope that that all puts so- in perspective of how extraordinarily impactful he was to on on the NFL and on the game, I mean, and that also the fact that they literally changed kickoff rules because of him. I have a handful. Yeah, I I have a handful of thoughts on this, and and some of this can be found within the piece I wrote, analysis piece at ChicagoTribune.com. But like the Pro Football Hall of Fame puts together its all-decade team, and in the 2000s, Devin made it as a punt returner. And then in the 2010s, he made it as a kick returner. And then in 2019, you have this panel of former players and and media and league personnel, and they select Hester to be part of that 100th anniversary all-time team, which included 100 players of all time. His first two years of eligibility, he makes the Hall of Fame finalist list, as he's done. So there's a, a, a genuine understanding of how accomplished and elite he was. To your point, Adam, the, the biggest point you can make is that every single player who played with him believes he's a Hall of Famer. Every coach who coached him believes he's a Hall of Famer. Everyone I've talked to that's played against him or coached against him believes he's a Hall of Famer. I think most of the committee believes he's a Hall of Famer. It just presents this bottleneck here where you have this sentiment that he's a when, not if guy, and it's going to wait, and it's going to wait, and it's going to wait. Look, like Richard Dent was a seven-time finalist before he finally got through. We mentioned on the score on on Friday morning that, that Jimbo Covert, the most recent bear inducted and enshrined in the Hall of Fame, needed a special 100th anniversary 20-member class to be pushed through 28 years after he was done playing to get in. And so it's really frustrating for fans. It's definitely frustrating and maddening to Devin as the player. I just think eventually we're going to get there, and and our focus probably should be more on, like, should the Hall of Fame consider tweaking its process because this is a little bit wonky here and again like i say you read off the other names of, of the 10 guys who had disappointment on thursday night and you go damn those are some really really good players and you know six to seven of them may be in before it's all said and done so why do we put these guys through this agonizing waiting game that's like sitting at the dmv rather than just being like everyone agrees they're a hall of famer let's celebrate them and get on with it Okay, well, we'll close this segment with what I will provide as a dose of unhealthy perspective here, because I love that Studs showed up in his Devin Hester jersey. That's <laughs> very, very appropriate for the occasion. But guys, I'm just going to tell you what's out there. Talkoffame2.com, talkoffame2.com 
includes a story about the process and what went on in electing this class. Clark Judge, our friend, wrote it. He's been around forever. We know people on the committee. And this is the part that is regarding Devin Hester and it's labeled the surprise. And I'll just read it. It's about a paragraph, so just stay with me here. It's not often Devin Hester moved backward in his career, but he did here. He was a top 10 finisher in 2022, his first year of eligibility. But one year later, he failed to make the first cut from 15 to 10. That's not a good sign. Like most things in life, you want to move forward. That doesn't mean Hester's candidacy is in trouble, but it does mean it hit an unexpected pothole. Hester barely edged the Hall's board of selectors as the biggest surprise. Selectors met by Zoom in January for the third consecutive year and somehow never spilled the details of the debate. Keeping secrets is not one of the media's redeemable traits, but against all odds, the 49 selectors did this just that. But Devin Hester, the biggest surprise. So summarizing, Hester was closer a year ago because he was a finalist and he was made the cut from 15 to 10 this year. That didn't happen, surprisingly to me, because I think the assumption was, oh, yeah, he's in. But no, we're learning as we hear more about the process. That wasn't the case. Right. Like, so here's my last thought on this. And whenever I have an opportunity to vote on, you know, player of the year type stuff or or something of this stature and this magnitude, you look for signature moments, right? And you say, did that guy have signature moments that I'm never going to forget? Well, let's go down Devin's really quickly, just in a, in a thumbnail. How about the first game of your NFL career, you take a punt return at Lambeau Field and you take the distance and you tell everybody, hey, hey, league, look who I am. And how about a month later when in maybe the most exciting victory the Bears have had in the last quarter century, you provide the game-winning touchdown in a game where your offense could not score and you needed three non-offensive touchdowns to come back and and fight past the Arizona Cardinals and the famous they are who we thought they were game. How about later that same season having two touchdowns in St. Louis on Monday Night Football? How about in 2007 when the Broncos come to Soldier Field and you're in this back-and-forth game all afternoon and you torture Todd Sauerbrunn twice with both a kickoff return and a punt return? And then how about the biggest moment of your career, Super Bowl 41, biggest stage that football has to offer. You begging your opponent all week saying in the, 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 the purely confident and calm way that Devin had, please kick it to me, please kick it to me. And then Tony Dungy says, okay. And you go 92 yards with flash bulbs popping and you do it. Like that's what it was. And one of the things that studs brought up a minute ago that I think like needs to be brought into this conversation in that room is that Devin Hester was a feeling. And I've said this before. He was a feeling. You can go down a resume. You can read a pro football reference page. You can watch like four minutes of YouTube clips. If you were ever in a stadium where Devin Hester was playing and you felt Soldier Boy come on at Soldier Field, if you were on the road and you felt the tension that opponents had trying to put the ball in his hands, you know what that feeling was. And I'm talking about it right now and I'm getting goosebumps. And and I'm sure that you know what that feeling was. And if you know what that feeling was, you know it was Hall of Fame worthy. Good stuff. 